Hey, this is Aaron Lee from Y&T. Listen up, all you summertime girls. Cranks up because you're listening to the Industry 45 show with Shane. Locked and loaded. The Industry 45 show with host Shane Christopher Neal. Uh, Industry 45 show, giantfm.com. Uh, you can stream the show on all the major streaming platforms. And of course, my website. I don't know who the hell gave me a website, but they did. ShaneChristopherNeal.com. And don't forget, every Saturday night, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, as we rock between 7 and midnight on Giant FM, you can stream that show too at GiantFM.com. All right. I am going to go out on a limb here and uh, make a, a rhyme. Uh, it, it, it's Aaron Lee from Y&T. See how I did that? I should be a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's nice, man. That rolls right off your tongue, man. That's great. How you doing? How you doing, man? You're out in California. Things are going good. Obviously, you're busy, and you're probably excited because you got new music out. Uh, looks like you're going to tour and all of that. So let's start a little bit at the beginning, a little scene set here about Aaron Lee. Uh, we'll get into the Y&T stuff and your solo stuff, but where did uh, kind of this love for playing the bass and playing music come from? Uh, you're from San Jose, California initially, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm from San Jose, born and raised. And, uh, you know, I started out uh, on drums when I was around five years old. You know, my, my grandmother came over and she threw some sticks in my hand and, and, uh, and a practice pad in front of me and then she turned on the TV and the Mike Douglas show was on and it was uh, Buddy Rich and she said watch this guy and I'm sitting there holding drumsticks and she showed me how to uh, hold them like Buddy Rich and you know she must have known something I didn't because I I like most you know young children were was just beating on shit like you know beating on pots and pans and stuff like that but she must have seen that and, and was like okay maybe he, he would be in the drums so my grandmother uh, is the one who, who started me out on drums. And uh, and then I moved up to, uh, uh, well, I started on drums, but I didn't have a drum kit. I, I made, this is uh, the first time I've even said this on, on an interview, is that when I was, uh, you know, real young, I obviously didn't have any money, but I had five-gallon paint buckets in my garage, and I put duct tape on the bottoms of them to give them some kind of a flex, you know, when you hit it with your drumsticks. And I prop them all up on bricks. And I used to think I was Peter Chris, you know, because I was all into kids. Absolutely. So that was my first, yeah, that was my first drum kit with five gallon buckets, man. And then I graduated to a, you know, a real drum kit later on. But um, yeah. And then from there, I went to start playing guitar around 10 years old. And, and then I jumped to bass because there were so many guitar players in my neighborhood. And we wanted to form a band. And I thought, well, I'll just play bass. So that's when uh, I, I made the jump to bass. But what, what solidified the instrument for me was uh, when I discovered Y&T, when I discovered, you know, Iron Maiden and Rush and, and Yes and, you know, all these great bass players in these bands um, that I could uh, actually pull the bass out of the mix when you listen to the songs. You can hear what's going on with the bass. It's not buried, you know, in the mix. So that turned me on and, and I thought, wow, you know, the, the bass could be more than, you know, just the background, you know? Sure. So, uh, I jumped in, you know, with both feet and really started, you know, woodshedding and learning how to play bass and, you know, had my heroes, you know, Steve Harris, Getty Lee, you know, and of course, Phil Cannamore from Y&T. And I'll say, you know, Y&T played a huge role in my uh, musical upbringing, you know, when I first started out some of the first songs I ever learned were Y and T songs. And, you know, then our, our neighborhood band when we were kids were, those were some of the first songs we learned how to play together as a band with Y and T songs. And 
So it's kind of a trip that it's come full circle that I get to be in one of my favorite bands and playing this music that I had learned when I was a kid. So it's pretty incredible. That, that's awesome. I love your drum story. I don't know if you know this uh, through anything Jody sent you, but uh, I, I'm a drummer, a longtime drummer. And when I started playing drums, my dad was a jazz drummer, a big band drummer, was really into Buddy Rich. Um, and he he was a drum teacher too. So he would try to teach me to play the rudiments and all that. And at the time, uh, I think you and I around the same age, early fifties. And, and I was into, you know, I want to learn Van Halen, 1984, the album. Like I didn't want to play rudiments yeah. and shit. Like I want to play rock and roll. And now I kick myself in the ass because, you know, I went right into rock drumming. I've been playing it for a number of years, but I didn't really learn some of the cool stuff I should have learned that would have helped me because I was too ignorant to it. You were smart. You went to other instruments like the guitar and the bass. And what was the first big break you had, I guess, as a musician, as a bass player? Uh, first big break. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, you know, uh, there's many ways to answer that question as a break. Um, but I mean, if I have to ch- fast forward and jump ahead here to say uh, a substantial break in, in playing music for a living was when I met Frank Hannon. And, you know, that was in 2012. That really wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, I mean, I've, I've had, I've had smaller little breaks where, you know, where you jump the lily pad to this, bit or you get a little higher here or whatever you know with certain band that you might be playing with or things like that but um you know meeting frank man was just like you know doors would open just because i'm associated with frank hannon or you know something like that um you know and then when when i uh was in a solo band you know running around touring with him and then you know we got to make a record together and so i'd say that that was my one of my biggest substantial breaks yeah, that's a that's definitely that's a big a that's player. a that's a big break. Let me ask you from just from your uh, uh, your your bio here. I mean, I'm I'm a anybody who knows me knows that I love Warren and Jenny Lane. I know that you've either worked with him or jammed with him. Mike Tramp has been on this show. Joel Hoekstra. I never had Jenny Lane, but a couple of uh, months ago, not even a month ago, Joey Allen joined me. You play with some really cool people. When when was that in your career? Earlier on, or more recent, or when? Well, I mean, Jenny's obviously been passed away for a while, but other than that. Well, the Janie Lane thing is, is a story that um, it wasn't so much that I got to like like uh, be a band with a guy or anything. It was this. <laughs> it was such a fluke. Um, and looking back on it now, I'm really uh, happy to, to at least say that I got to you know spend time with the guy and and play actual music with him. But in in such a quick moment. But um, I was in a, a local band in San Jose in the early '90s that we were playing a club one night on an off night too. I think it was like a Wednesday night or something, you know, middle of the week. It was late, you know, it was a place called the Cactus Club in San Jose. It was a really famous club. I mean, everybody played there, man. It's just one of those places that everybody came through, you know, coming up and coming down. But, um, so we were in there doing an acoustic set one night and in walks this long haired blonde dude wearing a baseball hat. And, you know, we didn't really know who he was. But all of a sudden, a bunch of drinks, a bunch of shots of, of alcohol came, you know, up to the stage. And it was from Janie Lane. Um, so I guess what, it, what he was on tour with Ozzy. I guess Warren was opening for Ozzy at that time. And he was just having a fun night running around the club. So he comes in, buys us a bunch of drinks. Next thing you know, he's, hey, can I get up and play with you guys? 
next thing you know, we're doing Beatles, Pink Floyd, Lenny Kravitz. You know, we're doing all these all these songs, man. And and he was up there singing with us, man. And it, so that was that's how that happened. That's you know? cool, though, man. I put that on the bot. I, I put that on, on the bio because that's something that stuck out with me early on was you can be a big rock star, man, and but you can still be a down-to-earth person and be cool to other people and other musicians and things. You don't have to have an attitude. And that's one thing I just took right away from Chaney Lane was he was just a really nice guy, cool dude, laid back. Uh, he was pretty buzzed up, but <laughs> you know right. he was having a good time. But yeah, man. So that's you know why I, I put that out there to you know maybe eventually get to tell that story. You know. Well, there you go. You told the story, and uh, like I said, with Joey Allen on the on the line a couple of months ago, we had a great chat, and, and he had nothing but great things to say about Jenny. I mean, obviously, he had personal issues that that eventually ended his life. But as a person, as somebody who was giving, as someone who loved people in rock and roll, there was no one uh, better than Jenny. And I had Troy Patrick Farrell on the show, right? Who played drums in Jenny's uh, solo band. So I wanted to ask that question because I did see it. So here's uh, you as a kid learning Y&T, loving Y&T, and now you're in Y&T. So give us the genesis of how that happened. Cause that's gotta be a trip, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definite trip. And, and you know, before I, I tell how that all came about was, um, just a little bit of advice to other musicians out there. Don't be too proud or think you're too cool to do certain things in the industry um, because that could possibly take you to the next place where you need to be. And so with that being said is, you know, when I met Frank, I was in a solo band. We were out playing, doing a lot of gigs. Uh, but then Tesla was about to get busy and go out on tour. They were um, going out with Sticks and Def Leppard. And big tour, you know, a lot of dates. And Frank was thinking, well, Aaron, you know, um, I got to go out on tour. So the solo band's going to be put on hold for, you know, a while now. He had it, he already had it in his head that, you know, he wanted me to come out and work for Tesla. So I basically went out on the road as, as a road dude and, you know, ended up being Frank's guitar tech. Oh, cool. That yeah, that, that's, that's a cool story, Which, though. Yeah, so what's cool about that, though, is because he knew, you know, that if he if I didn't have anything going on, he could possibly lose that connection with me to be able to be in his band when he got home, <laughs> you know? So, because I'd have to probably go out and try to make a living somewhere, right? Um, but he uh, had it, you know, a, a kind of a, you know, future-telling thing here, man, that, you know, so he brought me out on the road with Tesla, um, and I became his guitar tech. And then with that already, you know, about a year of that stuff going on. Um, and then down the road, there was, there was years that passed too, you know, and then I was still playing with Frank and his solo band and, and things, but I would go out on the road every now and then with Tesla and work for, for the band. Um, well, Jill Manichetti caught wind of, of that and knew that I was a guitar tech at a point. So she, emails me and she asks me if, if I would uh, be interested in doing 30 days of part of a Y&T tour because their tech couldn't do the whole tour. Of course, I jumped at the chance because I was a fan, first and foremost. Secondly, is just thinking, wow, I get to play Dave Menachetti's Les Paul, that 68, the classic, <laughs> you know, guitar. And I get to, you know, restring it and tweak out on it and, you know, and, and just basically, you know, just hang with the guys and, and get to know everybody. So, I did that for a month, 
Um, and then I'll say, uh, you know, when that tour ended is, is about three weeks later, I got an email from Jill Menachetti, the manager of YNT, and she asked if I'd be interested in joining the band. So, you know, it, it, it led from Frank making me a guitar tech to teching to y, in Y&T and then being the bass player. So if you can see the correlation there, sure. you know, doing things that are just put in front of you without too many questions, man, is sometimes the key to, to success, I guess. You know, absolutely. Just, just your gut and your instincts, man, and, and, and roll with that. There's a lot of people that that wouldn't do that, though, Aaron. Like they would kind of be like, "Well, you know, I was a bass player in this guy's band, and he's kind of a star, and so I'm not really interested to to be a, a tech." But that that's a really cool story, something that people should take to heart, especially in this business, because as you know, my friend, there's a lot of ego in rock and roll. I don't need to tell you that. Um, that that's a cool story. Let's talk now about you and, and your music. Um, it's been insane over the last year and a bit with this COVID-19. Tell me about Insanity first and tell me about, obviously we know your connection now with Frank Hannon, but he was part of this whole EP and, and these songs. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so with the time off, you know, since uh, YMT got sidelined, we were out on tour, um, you know, 2020, it was March, we were just winding down the tour, had three more shows to do, and those got canceled. We ended up in Seattle, and that's where uh, the big outbreak was happening, and all the shutdowns started going, and, and you know, we lost three shows. Luckily, we, we got to finish, you know, almost the whole tour, uh, and, and only lose three shows. But, uh, you know, since then we get home, and, and, you know, we're thinking, well, maybe it's going to be a couple weeks like this, maybe a month, maybe two, who, you know, it just kept prolonging. I'm thinking, I better do something with this time, because this could be indefinite, like, with what's going on, you know, no touring, and, and, and all these venues that are closed up, and who knows when they're going to open. So that prompted me to jump in and just start writing um, originals, and, you know, because I... When I'm off the road, I, I do an acoustic solo thing around town. I do a lot of gigs doing that. And so with that out the window as well, I couldn't even go out and do those types of gigs. I was thinking, well, what am I going to do with my time? So that's, that's what sparked uh, insanity. And just putting out a single, that was the initial, you know, just that part was just one song, a single, put it out, whatever. You know, I'm just trying to be creative and, and, and stay engaged with, with you know, just recording, mixing, you know, because I love being in the studio and, and the process of it. But, um, yeah, so I, I wrote Insanity, uh, recorded everything, played everything, and, and then I thought out of the gate, you know, I would love for Frank to play on this track. You know, my first solo single that I put out, I would love to have him affiliated with it since I feel like he's played a part in me, you know, all the way up to that point, really. So, um I was honored and, and happy that, you know, he said that he would play on it. Uh, he, he laid it down. Sounds great. I'm stoked. And that's where insanity came from. And then, you know, from there, after that, I just, I kind of was like on a roll. I just kept writing uh, songs and putting out a couple more singles after that. I put out a, a cover, actually, of an old Fleetwood Mac song from 1970 called July Judy, which was on the Kiln House record. This was long before Stevie Nicks and, and Lindsey Buckingham. Um, but I just had a real affinity with that song, man, because it was, it was a song my, my parents used to play the record when I was a little kid, and I would hear it constantly playing, so it was kind of ingrained. And I just always was turned on by that, that track, and I thought I could probably do something with this. So I did a, did a cut of that, 
put that out as a single. And then I put out another single called Tell Me. And then I took four songs, all of the singles, and then one other song, a ballady kind of song. And then I put them all on an EP, a four-song EP. And, you know, that way I'd have some physical product out, you know. And that's where we're sitting at the present, you know. And now with uh, Live For Today coming out right. uh, this Friday, June, June 26th. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's a great song. I love, I love melodic rock. Um, I just love the sound of the guitars. Everything about the song is super cool. I'm going to play it too, but, uh, yeah. Like, so tell me specifically about live for today because we have insanity and we, we get that. And then we have live for today, which we need to do, man, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in this world. So tell me a little bit in the Genesis of that particular song. Well, you pretty much in a nutshell, you know, nailed it right there with your, your summary. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's where I was coming from, man. It's like, you know, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or if there is a tomorrow, you know? And I learned that pretty, you know, <laughs> learned that lesson with the whole touring thing, you know, how you just expect that you're going to get to go back out and work. And next thing you know, you're shut down, you know, and that goes across the board, not just musicians, but just small businesses and, and you know, just all these people that are, are uh, self-employed kind of people and, and, and beyond, you know, it's, it's tragic, man, all that. But, um, so yeah, taking that kind of thing for granted and next thing you know, it's not there. It makes you think, wow, man, well, I better, you know, live for today and live in the moment and really appreciate what I have right now because it could be taken or, or pushed out somewhere, you know, and never get it back. But, you know, and just in general, man, just the way the world, in, in my view, is just seems like a, like everything's so upside down. And, and just uh, like if you looked at a, like a film negative, you know, it's like all just twisted back backwards and black and white. You know, there's it's crazy times, man. You know, I mean, actually, that's, that's sort of what insanity was about as well. You know, just how crazy things are right now. But, um, yeah, it's just. Live for today, man, because, uh, you know, what you could do today, why put it off till tomorrow? Absolutely. I, I love the song, like I said. So tell me what's uh, on your plate now for, for 2021, because Y&T going back out to tour, I think, correct? And uh, you've got this EP out now. So give me a idea of what's happening with you for the next couple of months as the summer continues here during COVID times. Yeah. Well, uh, so Y&T's first show coming back is August 13th in Reno. I'm really excited to get back out there, man. I mean, I'm just excited to get in a room with these guys again and, and play the material. You know, I mean, we haven't seen each other in over 16 months or however long it's been. Um, so it's going to be a, going to be a trip, man, you know, getting, getting back together and, and playing music. And then, uh, so yeah, August 13th, first show back in Reno. And then, August 14th, we're doing Rockland, California, right here where I live. Right, I'm, I'm literally three and a half miles away from the venue, so it's a great gig. <laughs> so what you're saying is you can get uh, drunk and walk home when you're done. <laughs> yeah, well, I, actually, you know, I, I don't drink anymore, but, you know, but still, I don't have to pay, uh, you know, a, a bunch of gas to get somewhere, right? But, uh, so August 14th, we're doing Rockland, California, Quarry Park Amphitheater, um, but I, oh, let me back up a little. I'm, I am actually doing a solo gig opening for Warrant uh, on July 17th. So that's another thing. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At the same venue and here in Rockland, uh, the Quarry Park Amphitheater. 
Uh, and then, you know, we'll see how the Y&T calendar, um, you know, we've got stuff on the books right now. You know, we've got the Monsters of the Rock cruise coming up. We do have a European tour it's already set for next year that's been moved from this year. So, you know, trying to figure all that out. But, um, you know, hopefully the calendar is going to stabilize and fill up a little more. And, you know, we'll uh, be out rocking, man. But, um, you know, once I can kind of gauge what, how much Y&T is, gonna keep me busy then uh you know i might possibly put together a solo band and try to get out and play this music live i mean i've been being asked about that and so it's an exciting idea it just seems like um you know trying to do that at the same time as y&t is busy, yeah, it's it tough. Just probably wouldn't work out you know yeah well we're kind of waiting on that you know when they open the borders and you can come to canada and you need a drummer like i'm here man I can learn the songs. <laughs> pretty rock and roll. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. You know who else is, is very happy that Y&T's back out on the road? Is Eddie Trunk. And I know that he's done uh, a bit in your bio, which is really cool because when you get props from Eddie Trunk, you know that you're on the right track, right? <laughs> yeah, Eddie's great, man. He's been supportive with my solo stuff. Um, you know, I'm really appreciative of that because uh, I have a lot of respect for Eddie. He's like, a, you know, almost like the soul... Um, you know, the, the, the spokesperson for our music Absolutely. and our, our, you know, our lifestyle and all that, you know, he's like the, the prez man, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was cool. You know, I just actually, uh, uh, sent Eddie a, uh, email about the new single and he's going to play a little bit of it on his show on Monday and, uh, you know, see where it goes from there maybe i'll get on the air with him i don't know yet but uh he, i know that he's going to mention it and talk about it on his uh, on his show on sirius xm that, that's sweet man i want to tell you one other thing um i love your brand like um and, and what i mean by that is is just the way you look how you carry yourself i checked out videos i read articles i watched interviews um your website like i really like the brand that you have it, it looks rock and roll it looks cool and I just, I like it. You know, as soon as I see something, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check into this a little bit more. And your songs are great too. So congratulations on all that. So way to go, my friend. Well, thank you so much, Shane. I mean, really, that, that means a lot to me, man, to, to get, you know, some, some uh, unbiased feedback. You know, it's hard to get ears on new music, man, regardless of who you are. You know, if, uh, whether you're a real famous guy, like, you know, I've been using Paul, Paul McCartney as an example. You know, the guy puts out a brand new record and, and, and most people, it just flies right over their head. They don't even know it's out, you right. know? Yep. So, you know, you could, you could be as big as that or, or, as, or as small time as, as where I'm coming from, you know? I mean, so it's, it, it runs the spectrum of how hard it is to get ears on new music. So I do appreciate your support, bro. It's funny when you said that, I was thinking back again to my, my conversation with Joey Allen and Warren's had great albums and great radio hits and blah, blah, blah. And I said, do you have any new music coming? And his, he said to me, if you come to a Warren show, I can let you listen to what I've got on my laptop. It, it's, it's pretty cool. But quite honestly, nobody gives a shit about new music anyway. And, and I hate to say that he's right. And it sucks because like we play sticks on the radio show but we won't play a Dennis DeYoung song. Do you know what I mean? Or there's so many bands out there that have artists or rather so many uh, bands that, that have individual artists in the band that have music out. That's great. And it never makes it to the masses. Unfortunately, I wish I had the answer to that, Aaron, but I don't. Uh, 
It is what it is, but I think you're on the right track and, and you get to the right places and guys like Eddie pushing it and just the sound of the music you've got and hopefully you get support from your uh, your people there and I, hopefully you'll do well. I know you will. Thank you, man. I, I like the optimism, man. It, that means a lot to me. Thank you.